0: CHAPTER SEVENTEEN OF THE YELLOW SHEET. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. THE YELLOW SHEET. THE LIBRIVOX nano PROJECT 2007. CHAPTER SEVENTEEN. WRITTEN AND RECORDED BY SEAN MCGAHEY. net SLEEP COMES QUICKLY. Almost too quickly. What was in the Ginjo shoe? Rice spirits? Or something more sinister? She tosses and turns beneath the yellow sheet and dreams. Fitful dreams. Dreams of the road. Another road. Another town. Another cottage. Another Elizabeth. Iko. Beth. Liz. Liza. Betty. Betty Crocker. Betty and Wilma. Betsy. Sweet Betsy from Pike, who is she now? Where is she going? Will this journey ever end? What is real, the journey or the destination? Another yellow sheet. We know, always the yellow sheet. She tosses and turns beneath the thin yellow sheet. Another street, another town, another lifetime. Somewhere in the northeastern United States, she glimpses something reflected in a storefront window. At the edge of this nondescript town sits a nondescript strip mall plaza filled with trendy upscale chain stores whose names and stylized logos do nothing whatsoever to betray a description of the contents inside. She parks her car in Section F of the vast parking lot. Her grandmother told her that she always parked in Section F So if she ever got confused as to its whereabouts coming out of the store, she could ask herself, Now where did I leave the effing car? Walking into the brightly lit store, she sees row upon row of glass shelving, filled with assorted glassware, dishes, ceramic figurines, and home accessories for any event or season. Pasted throughout the store are oversized posters with catalog pictures of the store's products, looking just so slightly nicer than they did on the shelves, all with a stylized logo and the slogan, Home Accessories for Any Occasion. As she wanders aimlessly through the aisles, her eyes fix upon a glass display case. Inside, on a special stand, which is draped in yellow fabric, Sits a necklace with an oddly familiar medallion. It appears to be very very old and made of bronze, but it is most certainly a cheap knockoff made in China or Taiwan. Beside the stand on a yellow card is written Replica Antique Medieval Medallion Item M one zero two zero dot B seventy seven dollars and six cents. We know you will not find better prices anywhere. The yellow sheet, always the yellow sheet. Another road, another town, another cottage, another derrick, some derrick, her derrick. He rolls over and caresses her shoulder, her breast, her hip. She spoons into him and smells his familiar musky aroma. She feels the warmth of body on body, the smoothness of his plaid shirt, his plaid shit. She recoils. Is this the Derrick who swept her off her feet and fathered her children? Who promised, till death us do part? Is this the Derek who ran off to find himself in the Orient, only to find some hussy fifteen years younger than I? Is this the Derek who had me committed? Who would not believe even when I showed him the yellow sheet? Awakening briefly, alone, she tosses and turns beneath the thin yellow sheet. Another road. Another town. Another question. Always more questions. She fingers the worn yellow sheet as she climbs the steps into the library. It is an impressive-looking brick structure built by the largesse of a Carnegie Grant a hundred years ago. Like every other public library in North America, a monument to an empire all but forgotten, but for a gift that spans generations. Stepping inside, she walks briskly to the public card catalogue. Why do they call it a card catalogue? Long gone are the rows and rows of wooden cabinets filled to the brim with index cards, Each a treasure map leading to literary riches, replaced by row upon row of sterile, humming computer terminals. Catalogue. How to search the catalogue. Every system in every town is different, with names like WorldCat, Ecat, and BibliSys. But this is a new catalogue to her LibriVox. The voice of books. Free voices. Book voice? A white screen appears with only a few choices. Title. No help. Author. If she knew the author's name, she wouldn't be searching. Status. What the f... is status for? Why can't I do a simple keyword search? Wait. Three more links are below. Browse entire catalog. Recently catalogued. More Search Options Selecting more search options reveals still more confusing choices. Category, Status, Reader, MC, BC? She pulls the faded yellow sheet from her pocket and types the code written there, letter by letter, more from memory than actually reading the text. M1020.B7706 a new screen appears. One matches. Works in progress. One. LibriVox volunteers. Yellow sheet. The. LibriVox Nanorimo novel 2007. Open. Readers, email me when this book is completed. The yellow sheet. Always the yellow sheet. She clicks the link. Another page, full of questions, always questions. It appears to be an audio book, currently being recorded by a bunch of crazy volunteers. Wait, what's this? Chapter 8, read and recorded by Betsy Bush. Listen. Betsy? Beth, Liz, Liza, Betty, Elizabeth, Me? she begins to listen chapter 8 of the yellow sheet this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the yellow sheet the librivox nano project 2007 chapter 8 written and recorded by betsy bush in marquette michigan november 2007 the yellow sheet Always the yellow sheet. She can't listen to it here. She must save this file and find a safer place. But how? She looks down, and inserted into the USB port is a navy blue memory stick, engraved in white with a stylized picture of a tulip. Scrawled on the case in black marker are two words. We know. She quickly saves the file, pockets the memory stick, and leaves the building. Leaves town. Another road. Another town. Another question. Always more questions. Iko awoke, oddly refreshed after her fitful sleep. The first rays of light tickled the shadows until they faded away from grey. As she looked out towards the sea... She wasn't expecting the dormant words of Gauthier to seize her so violently. Just for once, have the courage to surrender yourself to impressions, to allow yourself to be moved, to be uplifted, yes, to be instructed and kindled by something great. In less than a minute she was out the sliding double doors. Their shiny finish of Canadian pine flashed in the rising sun as they slid closed. They settled into immobility, remaining unlocked, for she left without keys, without money, without food, without wallet, without her passport, without anything that might identify her, with nothing but the clothes she wore, her amulet, and the tan duffel bag containing the yellow sheets and the blue tulip. The time for questions was passing. She was surrendering herself to the uncertainty of not knowing why, of not knowing how, not even knowing with certainty who she was from day to day. Iko, Beth, Liz, Liza, Betty, Elizabeth? She strode down the well-trodden path, new to her, but familiar and comfortable nonetheless. As she walked, she heard the stillness of night begin to emerge into the symphony of the awakening of the day. She passed no one as she walked, save for an overly friendly dog obviously excited to have slipped his tether, and, a little later, a weary man inquiring about said dog. She pointed him onward and he left, thankful for the revelation. Above the trees she could hear a dove's plaintive cry. A breeze skittered through the trees providing an erratic counterpoint to the steady rhythm of her footfalls squishing along the still-damp trail. As she walked, the rhythm of her feet recalled for Iko an old ballad, half-remembered. And though the blue tulip, that strange vigilante, does all that he can a single man can't be in two spots at once, and much less in twenty, though he have muscles and sword skills plenty. So, engaged in her contemplation of where, of when, of who, Elizabeth Ico was unaware that she had awakened two sleepers who had found shelter under a hedge just beyond the path. The two women intently watched as Ico passed, then silently began to pursue her. After about an hour's walk, Ico began to regret that she had left the cottage without any food. She pressed on. What she hungered for was not food but respite an end to this interminable journey an answer to these lifetimes of questions the sounds of the forest gradually gave way to the rhythmic pounding of the surf against cliffs relentlessly hewn over millennia the squeals of gulls could be heard overhead some distance away the sun glinted off the lenses of powerful binoculars it appeared that Iiko and her pursuers were being watched Dogen Michichika sat astride a small four-wheeler ATV. In his hands were a powerful set of binoculars equipped with a transceiver that was transmitting whatever he viewed in real time. How he had longed last night to lift the veils that covered Iko's eyes, but he could not. He would not. E must develop full understanding on her own. She was so close, but time was running out. Logan was a bit perturbed when he spied the two women tracking Aiko. He was not worried about what they might do. There was nothing they could do to change things now, but he was disturbed that they had been able to track Aiko here, to this place which had held its secrets for so long. Aiko slowed her pace. Becoming aware of a loud rushing sound behind her, she turned to see an ominous black cloud towering over the trees and two women running toward her. Another road. Another journey. Another Elizabeth. Another question. Always questions. Always the yellow sheet. We know. End of chapter 17